0: Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. This podcast will seek to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of my podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations where every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to you joining me on this journey toward a better understanding of each other. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening for common ground first. I am so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's see what my next guest has to say. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and I'm here today with Jenny Walsh, Dr. Jenny Walsh. Not only is she a practicing veterinarian, she's a woman's leadership coach, and I am so grateful she's giving us time today to tell us why do pets matter to her. Welcome, Jenny.
1: Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me be a part of your podcast. I'm looking forward to talking with you today.
0: Well, we are really, really grateful. You've told me so many interesting things about your journey to veterinary medicine and now your journey as a women's leadership coach in a broad field, but also... To some extent in the veterinary field for veterinary for women in the veterinary space owners veterinarians anyone as well as outside the veterinary space because women's leadership is such a broad category that you're helping women succeed in
1: yeah i am so excited to really just be um, a success coach for women in general to go out there and dream big and do big things Uh, I've seen just it's just been a year 2019 was just a year of seeing um, amazing men leaders changing the veterinary profession and uh, it really just they were really inspirational to me to go out there and do the same and follow my own passions and I want to see more women take big risks go out there change their own industry change their own lives and stop settling for the status quo. So I am in an executive leadership program. I will become a core energy certified professional coach here in March. And I've already started my business and I am just excited to still practice medicine and share my love for working with animals, but also my bigger love of, um, really helping women step into their own within this 21st century and especially within as we enter the 20s this next decade. I've got two young girls at home. I've got a four-year-old and a -a three-and-a-half-year-old, so they are totally my why and inspiration as I look to see where this next, um, when they're 18 or 26 and they're going out in the world, what it's going to look like for them. But I've also just been inspired by the women in my life um, from just my great, great aunt who lived to be almost 96 and who was an army veteran to some of my other aunts. One of my aunt was fashion ed- editor of the Chicago Tribune. And um, I've just had amazing um, mentors in my life.
0: Such great women role models. And also, we might add that there's um, a little guy sitting next to you who may go to sleep and start snoring. And we're just going to hope we hear that because it is very important when Why Do Pets Matter, that we talk about the fact that when pets feel safe, they fall asleep and sometimes snore especially frenchies which um,
1: exactly i have two cats two dogs currently and i do have a french bulldog who has to follow me everywhere so if you hear any snoring i apologize he just wants to stay close to me and i can't kick him out of my office
0: no and no nor would we want you to so tell my audience you know going back and and thinking about why you are where you are right now with respect to animals why do pets matter to you
1: You know what? It's so fascinating because the human-animal bond is one of the things that I'm probably the most passionate about. And it just goes back to me from being that little girl and having her own pet growing up. So I had a cat that I we got when I was six years old who lived uh, one month after I graduated vet school. So he lived to be 20 and three months of age. And that cat was so part of my journey of um from growing up to becoming a teenager to um going off to school to just going through my journey of becoming a veterinarian and when I look back to think of that that journey and just that human animal bond is he was with me through every single hard moment he was with me whenever I was crying or you know depressed after my boyfriend broke up with me, you know, whatever those hardships were in my life, he was always there for me. And he was always there for me just for the fun times as well. And, um, it's amazing as I bridge the coaching gap with the veterinary gap, and I see so many others, um, when they describe who they are, their animals are a part of them. And that's just how it was for me. Um, I've always had animals. We've had them bunch of animals at home from dogs and cats and I couldn't imagine my life without without a pet and I also couldn't imagine um um not wanting to to share in the experience that is life without having some form of companion with me
0: you know um Jenny it's so interesting because most of the people who've been on the pet podcast have had animals that have really affected their lives. Yours was with you from age six until you graduated from vet school, which was a little more than 20 years. So that's 26, holy Toledo. And yeah. now that you are helping people with that, that beloved animal, you've recognized the human-animal bond, um, why do pets matter as you observe clients coming into your practice? why do pets matter to these people and are you able to assist them in a way that makes them understand that pets really do matter to you as well?
1: Yeah, you know, it's so fascinating in terms of why this human animal bond that we have in place. And I feel like pets really do become, in, in my mind, I do think will really become part of the family and they really do become people's children in one way or the other, whether they have, um, human children or those that don't have human children. And I, I even think that it becomes even more than just children. I really think that that's become an extension of themselves. Um, when, I, when I work with so many women um, in terms of coaching and helping them tell their own story and become who they are, I do feel like we live in a society where so many people are still afraid to be who they are. And why pets matter is because those are the one area where they could fully be themselves and they are loved unconditionally. You know, in an existential viewpoint, everyone here on earth is wondering, what is, what am I here for and what is my purpose? And having that animal companion by your, your side, I feel that so many people who don't know what their purpose is, um, don't have the ability to showcase who they are, are going through hard times or even just going through times excelling, that companion animal is by their side the whole time cheering them on, and they just show up every day as themselves and get that unconditional love. And we need more of that in um, our society and our world today as a whole.
0: Well, you know, it really is fascinating the way you put that, because you're right, we all step out the door every morning and we put on our masks, so to speak, because we're supposed to be a veterinarian, a woman's leader, I'm supposed to be a lawyer and a podcaster, and you put that face on, and um, And some of us are trying to be as authentic as we can be. And that's better than the old days when we all just sort of stayed in our box and did what we were supposed to do. Uh, But it's interesting that you are absolutely right. When you come home, you know, it's like putting on your comfy pajamas when you see your dogs and cats, because they just accept you for who you are. And even if you know, you lose your temper and you yell at them for something, you know, garbage eating is one of the things that I tend to yell at my dogs for because um, I don't like picking it up after they go through the garbage. Uh, but they don't even get mad at you. They're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Couldn't help myself, but that's me. And, and so they're so authentic. They're, they're really right there helping you um, recognize the beauty and, and the importance of being who you are.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's just it is that we do put on all these masks every day. We have to go out into the world and wear some form of a mask. And for some, it could be exhausting for others. They've just kind of adjusted and and gotten used to it. But at the end of the day, we all want to come home and just be ourselves. And these animals do become an extension of us and truly allow us to step into just being ourselves. And, um, Just allow us to, whatever the day is gone, just allow us to like, to vent, to, to just have someone to pet, you know, whatever it may be, your pet is always there for you.
0: They really are, and they, you know, studies have shown, which any pet owner will say, we didn't really need to do these studies, but they've done the studies uh, that if you pet your cat or your dog, your heart rate goes down. If you have a cat or dog and you take a walk, you're a little bit physically more fit. Uh, so these animals are not just there to support you during your good times and your hard times, but they, they really do provide physical and emotional assistance to us uh, and if if you don't like pets, which is okay too, we um, are going to address that on why do pets matter as well, because the most disenfranchised people in the universe are people who don't have pets. Uh, and there are a lot of reasons why you don't want to have a pet. You could be allergic, you could be afraid, or you just don't think you can give it the time and um, care either financially or physically that you really need to give it and so not having a pet might be the best thing for you Uh, but for you as a veterinarian what are your observations about pets let's say with young families first and then for older people because i think the the attention to to pets um, as as with a young family you're that you're that pet owner because you're a pet owner with a young family, and then having pets going into um, your retirement years. A lot of people stop getting pets because they don't want to outlive their pets, but I, I'm a true believer in you're gonna live a better life and a longer life if you keep a pet with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, so let's address each of these first. So um, young families wanting to get a pet um, or already having animals, and then all of a sudden that kid comes along, um, you know, there's so much skepticism and um, unknown on on. Oh, don't do it. It's gonna be too hard. Or oh, and there is unfortunately, we see a lot of young families all of a sudden getting rid of, rid of that dog or that cat for whatever comes along. And I mean, that's really hard for me to see as a veterinarian and an animal lover because I do see them as. Um, adoption for life. I mean, I do think that you you take on this responsibility of this, this dog or this cat, and it would, to me, have to be very extenuating circumstances to say that it would not, not work. Um, and I think a lot of um, the fears and the misconceptions really does come down to the fact that um, there is a lot of work that goes into being a pet owner and being a responsible pet owner. Um, but there are also more avenues to providing good training and good um, behavioral adjustments. And I always think that, and I always tell um, any of my clients, especially when it comes to different behavioral techniques, that the hardest part is never going to be about the dog or the cat, more specifically, the dog learning what it needs to be. It's training the owner or and the environment around the owner. Um, so my Frenchie who is um, over here snoring away, I got him when I had a two-year-old and a six-month-old. And he was a Parvo rescue puppy where he would have died if I didn't save his life. Um, and yes, I was crazy to do it. And yes, it was super hard, but that's just some of the good hearts a lot of people in the veterinary field have is we can't watch um, these little animals not have not be able to make it. So he was my little rescue pup and he does have some aggression issues. And it is something that I work with a veterinary behaviorist on. I've had behaviors come or animal trainers come to the house. So it's, it's knowing the resources out there to have it. And I would say like, that is an extreme case scenario. And and I'm as a medical professional able to know how to handle with that. But most dogs and most cats, they're going to get along just fine with that, that child. And it is okay giving yourself some grace where like, they may not get as many walks as they once did before, Um, but that's still, they still make really great additions to the family. Um, And most of them do just fine. And most of them adjust and love those little kids. And it's always, um, I was at a house call the other day and they, he was so nervous about her dog when her kid came along. And then all of a sudden now it's been two and a half years and everyone's still going doing well and the dog and the kid are best friends now and um studies show that just from an allergy standpoint and things like that having pets um when kids are really young helps build immunity um it also helps strengthen just their own bond and their own confidence but how amazing just thinking to myself with my own little snowball (laughs) how oh, amazing is it for a kid to grow up with their own little best friend in the house. So I've also seen cases where, you know, it was the mom's dog or it was the dad's dog. And three to four years later, it's now now the child's dog because they've grown to love it. Um, if you're thinking about getting a, an animal or like a dog or a cat when your kids are little, um, do your research and find the right breed or find the right um, shelter to adopt that dog because it does it does matter each breed has different temperaments and not every breed is um right for young families especially if there are kids just kids um, because a lot of the times when things are happening or bites do occur um I don't think it was the dog's fault I think a lot of times it was us not reading their behavior and their cues of conflict and adjusting um beforehand so that's just a little bit about um ways to think of uh, being a responsible pet parent while you have young children. And then even more importantly, when you are um, elderly and you have a pet, as so many people are afraid of, I don't know how long I'm going to live. I'm afraid to take that that bond on. Um, but just as it is such a hard time right now and um, depression and suicide rates are really high. I do worry about many elderly people being alone and not not having that person there with them. And a companion animal can make um, a great a great um, um, Ida person for or you know, like a great pet to be able to be there for them. And you know, if you have those fears, there are ways to be smart about it is is then knowing and having in your will. And I mean Deborah, you obviously would be able to test this more than me. It's just like having plans in place on what to come next if something were to happen Um, because there are avenues and are other people of if something were to happen i know my pet will go here it's just putting those plans in place beforehand and giving yourself the gift of that companion for however Mm -hmm. however long you're healthy and surprisingly enough if it is the right pet and it's not going to be super too rambunctious for you or anything like that it may help keep you healthier longer you know it's
0: it's so interesting you said that because I'm going to go back to the kids first because of course I had the dogs before the kids okay. and my husband always said if you know the children are allergic to the dogs you know we'll have to get rid of the dogs and I said no the kid's worth more on the open market please everyone don't get mad at me for saying that <laughs> it was a joke at the time however I would never have gotten rid of the dogs and I agree with you completely I think allergies are much less prevalent in kids who grow up with dogs um, and the bond that they get and the responsibility. That that they get, especially as they get older, because you can give them little tasks to do. I mean, all my kids, you know, can grind nails and they can, you know, comb out knots without hurting the dog. It's just these little things that they learn. Um, but my my dogs were so incredibly um, prepared for the baby. Yeah. So, so when I came home and I gave classes in this years ago, and maybe I'll start again. When I came home, I had already sent home every single living stitch of clothing that baby wore in the hospital before I got home so that my husband threw it in the dog room. He yeah. said, Here. And, and they're sniffing and they're sniffing. And so when I got home, I said to my husband, I'm not taking the baby in the house. I'm going to see the dogs. <laughs> And I'm going to say hello to the dogs. I'm going to smell like the baby. I'm going to say hello to the dogs. And then we'll bring um, the dogs in with the kid, the the baby, because this gives them a heads up. What's this new smell? What's it? Oh, this is it. Oh, she seems really happy with this. And you're right. You have to give yourself a break. I loved when you said that. Give yourself a break if you're not walking them seven times a day. You know what? Um, I work from home. And my dogs uh, in the old days had four acres to run on and they had it in an outdoor that they could use all the time. And not one of them used it unless I was with them. So if you think you know, that your dog is gonna feel really bad not going on four walks, well, maybe they'll be a little rambunctious, but if they're with you, they really don't care. Um, yeah. So I loved when you, you talked about kids and absolutely, I think getting a behaviorist, if you adopt a dog, um, an older dog or a young older dog uh, from a shelter, because you want to adopt in that shop for, for a breeder, find a rescue or find it. I love the humane societies because they really can help mentor you. If you're yeah. getting a dog that's older, they're going to they're gonna tell you what they think. And then make sure you put in that they will help mentor you, especially if this is your first dog, because otherwise it's a adoption failure. And just yeah. think yeah, that makes you feel right. I mean, it makes you feel bad. And then if you have a kid and it's an adoption failure, oh, then you really feel bad. Um, so it, it really is important to make sure that you do some pre-planning, as I say, and as far as older people are concerned, I love when you said, you know about this, and and I broke my ankle with nine dogs, so I wasn't dead, um, but I was pretty much incapacitated, and I realized they didn't have a plan in place for my dogs, and so older people are always afraid they're going to fall, and they're going to, you know, break yeah. something over the dog or whatever, and I said, yeah, that could happen, but the the ability to have that companionship you spoke about when the people are home alone, that they get to talk to somebody all the time, because they're going to sit there, there might be a treat in the end of listening to the story. uh, But animals are always going to make you verbal, they're going to make you get up and move. So if you want to keep a pet, think about adopting a senior pet, which are always the hardest to adopt out of a shelter, and just make a written plan, you know, make sure that whatever plan you put in place is written down. And most people go, "I've, I've spoken to a number of uh, the over 50 um places where yeah. they allow you to get that 20 pound dog right which of course i'm trying to see if i can ever get my irish setters down to 20 <laughs> i don't think so not gonna happen it. not gonna happen and you know i can't really live without one so i guess i will be living in those facilities but um i said well do you take the dog to the park and they go yeah i said does the dog play with anybody at the park and they go yeah i said why don't you ask them if something happened to you, if they would take the dog, because clearly your dog gets along with their dog. Maybe they won't, but they could. And then you as a veterinarian know there are a lot of vet techs and people who could at least foster the dog. Say, I got sick and I needed to go to the hospital. They could maybe foster the dog. Or there are people who come to the vet clinic all the time and say, listen, I'm a dog walker. I'm this and that. There would be people who you could put people in touch with. And because you don't need it right away, you don't look for it. Yeah. But if you- yeah. If you want to keep a pet in your life, you need to look for it, and that's okay.
1: Yeah, just having a proactive plan in place. And like I said, I do one day a week, I do house calls. And so it's not even, it's nowadays, that in the house call industry is growing. You could have your veterinarian come to your house for your preventative care or your blood work or whatever you need to be if you have trouble getting out of that house or whatever. So it, there's so many opportunities for you to still have that pet. Again, it's making sure it is the right pet for you. You know, I wouldn't suggest a rambunctious German shepherd or something for, for if you were an older lady or something like that. But there there are perfect companions for you. And it's just having, and, and it's very scary to know, okay, what's going to happen when my pet dies or if I die before my pet because you love them so much. Um, but having plans in place, knowing that they could go to a good home or a good environment is still still a possibility. So don't give up that dream if um, that's still something you wish.
0: Absolutely, because if you want, so you have a Frenchie, and if uh, you were older, but you're not, um, (laughs) and you were trying to figure out what to do with your Frenchie, every single National Breed Club in the United States Uh, has a rescue. So you can always just call them up and say, hi, I'd like to know who the rescue coordinator is in my area. Um, Get in touch with them and say, listen, I'd really like to be able to leave my dog to you if the people who I appointed can't take the dog. So you might call the vet tech or you might have a neighbor who loves your dog and will take it from you or, or your family. I, I always laugh because people say, well, my daughter will take um, the dog. And and I've had so many cases where, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, the family yeah. can't take the dog. And then the yeah. dog ends up and and they've assured their mother or father that they will take the dog. But then when the mother or father passes, they're not. So I always say redundancy is key.
1: <laughs> you yeah, have multiple okay. plans.
0: I have a friend, Yvonne, (laughs) who said that to me at a program that I give called The Map Plan, which is um, navigating the journey your pet takes when you can't care for it. So that's for you as well as older people like myself, because you don't have a crystal ball. And she said, well, my daughter will take it. And I said, okay, just make sure you write that down so everybody knows. And she called me a week later and I thought this was brilliant. And you know about, you know, because we we all have guilt sometimes for things. She said, I want to put the plan together. And I said, what changed your mind? And she said, I want to let her know that there are other people who I would be happy to have my dogs if in fact it doesn't work out.
1: So yeah. you
0: take that guilt off your children. If in fact they can't take your pet Ah, I'll have Jenny I'll have Sue I'll have Mary and just remember that if you can't Jenny said she wouldn't Mary said she wouldn't Sue said she would so check with them and that way the kids really don't have that guilt trip of taking I mean you've probably met several people in your practice love to hear a story or two who've taken their old aunt's cat or their old um, uncle's dog and it was like a nightmare because the dog had lived with an old person for a while, and now it's with rambunctious kids. But they
1: felt they had to. Yeah, so I mean that that happens often. I've had anything from neighbors take on um, their a pet once their neighbor had um, passed away, or even you know daughters or, or sons take on. And what I find you know the most fascinating or the most troublesome is that those animals, because obviously maybe that person was um, not able to get to move around and go out a lot, is that there's a lack of medical history during whatever that time period, that three or four years. So again, because mobile veterinary services are growing, you know there are so many different avenues for you to still get those records. Um, and so it's trying to keep, then keep up and, and get back to like, okay, a lot of times they have gained a little weight because they've been getting too many treats and things like that. Um, and it's trying to get them just on good health, get caught up with their vaccines, take, taking their baseline blood work and making sure there's no disease presence. Um, And and to me, the most concerning or worrisome cases where I do think family members do need to step up earlier is when you do have a family member who is starting to go through dementia or starting to have Alzheimer's. And that is one of the hardest times to be able to say, I don't think you care for this animal anymore. Um, But I think we owe it to that animal to be able to say this is not a good home anymore and then stepping up earlier to then move the out of the home because we do see some cases like that and and then it gets to be a little bit of neglect and those are the hard cases because they aren't remembering to feed that animal or they're definitely overfeeding that animal um but that transition period can be a little rough and the animal the pet may may kind of either go through like a honeymoon period or a fear period where things are going well Um, in that part it's so important to have that relationship with your current veterinarian, or with your the veterinarian, they were going there that they were seeing to just make sure that that pet is off to the best start possible in its new home.
0: Absolutely. So yeah. working with your veterinarian is key because yeah. the veterinarian is going to possibly see that your mother or dad are not taking care of the dog, even though they're bringing it to the vet. It may be the beginnings of a dementia or Alzheimer's, and you really um, need to check in with the veterinarian as you know, the children of elderly pet owners. Um, but also if you are um, young and have lots of kids, I, I'm sitting here thinking mobile vets are like perfect because yeah. you don't have to move your dog. You know, the kids are napping. Can you come over now? That'd be great. We won't, you know, we'll take care of the dogs. I won't have to leave. I'll have to pack everybody up in the car. How great is that? Um, so it's it's this flexibility that now is surrounding animal ownership. Um, And also, I always say that, you know, if you have a dog and and something happens to you, sometimes people have put in their will that they want the dog put to sleep um, because they don't think anybody can care for the dog as well as they can. So they want the dog put to sleep, no matter the condition of the dog when they pass. And, uh, you know, I really hold a safe space for people because they really, truly feel that the dog can't be cared for by anybody else but them. Um, And then if you can... Um, enable them and empower them to check into and to you know to really reality check that decision, uh, yeah. because there are people who will come in while you're there and you're you know you're getting older and maybe they'll come take the dog for a walk because you can't take the dog for a walk anymore and so the dog is gently bonding with that person because they're taking it for a walk so it won't get fat. Um, And then understanding that that person would probably either be the best person to take the dog when you can't care for it any longer, or maybe care for it, um, and you can still keep it, but you don't have to care for it. You know, it could be a therapy dog at that point. We could get it certified as a therapy dog, so it could come and visit you, but that it would live with the other person. I mean, there are so many ideas and things to do now, cottage industries
1: that Mm -hmm. have
0: opened up. Um, dog taxis I mean if you're in a rural area maybe not as many cottage industries but then you could start one um, to help people older people keep their pets and also to be able to take the pets to and from the vet or have the vet come to you it's just it's so exciting you know why do pets matter because everybody who has a pet has an idea of how that pet should live with them. And we're here to facilitate that. I think you feel that more strongly than anyone. I'm here to not only facilitate um, how to help you because I'm a mobile vet as well as a a relief vet, but uh, I'm also helping other people in the veterinary field, women be leaders and this is something they could consider.
1: Yeah, and I mean, here's the biggest thing that as a mobile veterinarian, as a veterinarian practiced for so many years, and we've talked a little bit, you just kind of were mentioning like euthanasia and things like that, is if there's one thing animals show us, is that how fleeting life is. We only get these pets for 10, 20 years, in my case with my cat, if I'm lucky, and they live those, their whole lives unconditionally loving their owner dealing with so much pain that as veterinarians, we still struggle to educate pet, pet owners of what pain even looks like for them. And, and then they're gone in the blink of an eye. And if there's one thing we can learn about them from them and how much they matter is how short life really is. And we only get this one life to live on earth. And so um, that really was kind of, they're also inspiration for me, just starting this coaching journey in terms of um, speaking up and being yourself and going out there and achieving those big dreams and goals that you may have, um, it's just so important and so needed because it's only this one life you get. It's here to deal with so much euthanasia and it really could be hard on us as a profession. We're the only profession where we have to help owners make that final decision and that final decision, um, is so hard for so many people to actually make that decision. Uh, And it's a beautiful thing that we have that option for our pets. It's interesting
0: because um, for me, uh, one of the things that would be the hardest for me as a veterinarian um, to deal with is someone not allowing a dog to transition when it should, when it's in pain or wanting it to transition because they transitioned. And it's healthy and happy, and it could live a a greater life. So those two things, if we can help, um, why do pets matter? Because they could bring joy and and wonder to your family or to your neighbor or to someone the vet had to put a dog to sleep because it was sick. And then there's this older person without a vet who, without a pet, who would love your pet. Um, Exactly.
1: Yeah, I've never had a case, but I've heard of the cases where they people do want their pets um, euthanized. And I know there was a big controversial one not too long ago about a young pet needed to be euthanized after an owner died. Um, and I, I don't think that's fair to the pet. And I do think that we need to be proactive of um, looking at who else could care for, for these other other these pets, because there are other people out there who are perfectly capable of doing so. Um, And it is looking past our own self and seeing the animal as a whole.
0: It's a gentle conversation to have because you're so fearful you see all of those ads on TV of the starving dogs and the yeah. dogs. And of course that's where your dog's gonna go, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you don't know that. And so you feel, well, I don't want this to happen. And and that's why making a plan, putting it in writing and and making sure you have redundancy and it's published so that people know this is the plan you have is is really key. Jenny, we're running out of time. Um, I am so grateful for you to be here. I'd love to have you back again in a few months so that we can carry on this conversation again. We can check in to see how things are going with you. Um, As a final thought, after all of what we said, what is the one concept you'd love all the listeners to take away on why do pets matter?
1: I just want them to take away the fact that Pets are really an opportunity for you to be yourself. And it's one of the greatest ways to build your own stress resiliency plan and your own wellness plan. Um, If you are going into 2020 wanting to be more you, if you're going into 2020 wanting to um, start taking better care of yourselves, you don't need to look outward at all of the things like the gym to join and the diet to do and the meditation to do. Just go if you have pets just prioritize turning the phone off because just like we're raising a generation where our kids are going to see us on the phone all the time, our pets are feeling the same way too. So put the phone away and go spend some quality time with your pet. If it's a cat, allow yourself to be fully present in the moment while you're just petting that cat or play some toss. And if it's a dog, start taking that dog for a walk more and you'd be amazed at the weight that slowly comes off of you. Um, So those are just some little tips and tricks where we don't need to look to too many outer forces. If we have our animals in our house now, our wellness plan is just waiting for us to begin and that includes them. I know, and you know, it's
0: interesting My takeaway from all of this is that when you're out there, you can meditate. So I'm not a really good meditator because I never (laughs) sit still and turn my brain off. But when I'm walking my dogs, I really am present. And I think it's perfect that you said that. Be present and, you know, make sure that you... uh, you pet your cat with, with presents, and you walk your dog with presents. I'm always talking to my dogs when I'm, when I'm walking them because I'm yeah. in a conversation. So what great advice, Jenny, you have a great day and we'll have you back because this was awesome.
1: All right. Thank you so much for allowing me to come on, Deborah. It was a pleasure.
0: And this has been why do pets matter with Dr. Jenny Waltz. You've been listening to the podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. Do you have a great idea or guest or topic that you'd like me to cover? Write me at hamiltonlawandmediation.com or email me at whydopetsmatterpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, our pets do matter. Thank you for being here with me.